You know, um, if you're new to us and you just joined us and you're thinking, what on earth is that over there and what is the I am behind us? Well, I am is, a, is an interesting uh, phrase, really, that in the Old Testament, which is the first part of the Bible, God spoke to Moses and, and Moses kind of said, look, who are you really, you know, and, and who goes with me? And, and, and God said, I am. Sounds a bit weird, but in the Hebrew, it literally means Yahweh. It was a new name for God. And it wasn't just a description about God. It would describe not who, just who God was, but what God does. And then when Jesus came 2,000 years after that, he used the same phrase. He said, I am. And then he followed it with a whole load of statements. So he said, I am the bread of life. We looked at two weeks ago. That's a description of who God is, but it's also a description of what God does. So he gives bread, but he is bread. Last week we said, I am the light of the world. So, so God is light and he gives light. And then in John chapter 10, which is one of the Gospels in the New Testament, there are two uh, I am statements that come really close together. Uh, one is, I am the good shepherd. And Dan is going to look at that next weekend. Alison and myself aren't here next weekend because we're away celebrating our silver wedding anniversary. I know. How on earth did that happen? I'm so young, I can't be old enough to do that. 25 years, I think, is a remarkable achievement. What I've had to put up with in 25 years, honestly. I'm joking, I'm joking. What she's had to put up with in 25 years is remarkable. And so we're away celebrating that. But So the Good Shepherd is what Dan's looking at next week. But just before that, Jesus makes another I am statement when he says, I am the gate for the sheep. So the two I am statements that come together in John 10 are all around this metaphor of the sheep and the shepherds. Now, to, to us, we get it, sheep and shepherds, we understand it. But to the Jewish listener, it's much bigger than that. Because to the Jewish listener at the time, that's who Jesus was talking to, the sheep and the shepherds was a picture of the national identity of their nation. Every leader in Jewish history, whether they're a king or a general or a ruler, were also called a shepherd. So it talks about David, and it says in 2 Samuel 5 verse 2, In the past, while Saul was king over us, you were the one who led Israel on their military campaigns. You were our general. And the Lord said to you, you shall shepherd my people Israel, and you shall become their ruler. So every leader was considered a shepherd in the Jewish mindset. But every person in Israel was considered a sheep. So this picture of sheep and shepherds is really powerful in the Jewish context. They lived in an agricultural world, not an industrial world, and certainly not a technological world. They lived in an agricultural world. And, and it kind of works for us now, I think, as a metaphor, because I think that we are more like sheep than we'd like to admit. See, the Bible says in Isaiah 53, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have turned to his own way. We don't want to admit it because we're modern and we're sophisticated and we've got smartphones and tablets and all that stuff. But actually, we are more like sheep than we'd like to admit. L let me try and prove it to you. You see, sheep aren't the brightest. You never see a sheep on Britain's Got Talent. You see some sheepdogs and some other things, but you don't see sheep. They're also not the bravest. You know, sports teams, think of names for their sports team like the Tigers and the Bears. You don't get like the Lambs. It just doesn't sound brave. And sheep aren't the cleanest. They get dirty and they can't clean themselves and they stay that way. They need a shepherd, which is why the metaphor works for you and I. Now you might say, whoa, whoa, whoa hang on a minute, you're calling me a sheep. You know, you know, like, I'm, I'm a little bit brave and I'm a little bit bright and I certainly know how to clean myself. Well, I hope you do, okay? But so, so you might say, well, I don't need a shepherd. I, I'm not a sheep. All right, let's do a little test and let's see if we've got any candidates for sheepness here in, in this place. So, 
This is, if you can put your hand up to this, then you don't need a shepherd, all right? Here we go. You can control your moods. You are never grumpy. You're always upbeat and positive. Oh, <laughs> there was a little bit of a sigh there. Okay, okay. Let's try another one then. It's all right. You are at peace with everyone in your world. Even your old girlfriends speak well of you. Anyone? Ah, yeah, there was a few there. Okay. You have no fears, no financial, health, relational, no fears at all in your life. You never fear. Interested. You have no need for forgiveness. You've never made a mistake. You've never dropped the ball. Anyone in these categories? No. So we're all a little bit more like sheep than we'd like to admit. We need a shepherd. We need a shepherd. And that's what Jesus is talking about. So here we go. John chapter 10, verse 1. It's going to come up if you want to follow it there. Very truly, said Jesus, I tell you, Pharisees, and Pharisees were the religious leaders at the day who were listening, okay? Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he's brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am, here's the I am, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate, says it twice. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now, to really understand that, we need to understand the context and the metaphor that, Pete, that Jesus is using. So, we head over to this part of the stage, and this is recreating uh, what Jesus is talking about. Because in the Bible and in Israel at this time, there were two kinds of sheepfolds that everybody understood. One was the permanent one that was in the town or in the village, and this would be much bigger than this, and lots of flocks of sheep would all come in together. So a shepherd had his own flock of sheep, and they would all mix up together. And so walls were very high, all mixed in together in the night for protection. And there would be a gate. And the Bible, and Jesus describes it there, we've just heard it. And there would be a gatekeeper, a watchman, a porter, a gatekeeper. And as the shepherd approached, the gatekeeper would recognize the shepherd, and he would open the gate, and he would let the shepherd in. And this is the amazing thing. The shepherd would then begin to talk to the sheep seriously, because Jesus says it. And the sheep would recognize, they're all mixed up, they'd recognize their particular shepherd's voice. And they'd go to him, and then he'd lead them out, and they'd head out to find pasture. And as Jesus describes that, the Pharisees don't understand what he's saying. So he moves the metaphor a little bit to another very well-known metaphor and a very well-known reality in their lives. And that's the temporary sheepfold, which isn't in the town or in the village, but is out there in the pasture, and is out there in the wild. And that's, the, the walls are a little bit lower. There's no gate and there's only one flock of sheep. And what happens is this, that at night time, the shepherd brings the sheep into the sheepfold for protection and there is no gate. So the shepherd becomes the gate. So what he does is he lies down. You're all still with me, yeah? Okay, I'm still here for those of you at the back. He lies down across the entrance to, 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 to the sheepfold. Now, this is such a powerful image because in Jesus' day, okay, it was a very rough place to live. Thieves and robbers, but in their context for sheep, there's wolves, there's wild animals. But I tell you what, none of them are getting past the shepherd. 
These sheep here are totally safe and totally secure because nobody is getting past the shepherd. And the other interesting thing is Jesus says, um, thieves and robbers are going to come. And see, these high walls, because thieves and robbers, they won't enter through this way, but they might climb over the back. And you've got to be aware of these because Jesus says, these guys come not to offer life, but to steal and to kill and to destroy. And interestingly, Jesus uses two words, two different words for thieves and robbers. The word for thief is like a subtle thief. So he's the kind of guy that comes in and he sneaks a sheep under his coat and walks out. But a robber is not subtle. He's direct. He's coming at you with a weapon to rob you from what you've got. Does it make sense? So this is a powerful image. And then Jesus says, I'm not the gatekeeper, as in the first image. I'm the gate. Nobody comes through except coming through me. But if you come through me, you're going to get saved. You're going to be safe. And not only are you going to come in and be safe, but you're going to come out through me and you'll find pasture. That's what, that's what Jesus is saying. I am the gate for the sheep. Now, here's my key thought for you this morning. You see, three times in this passage of Scripture, Jesus uses the phrase, the voice. Now, I don't think he's a Tom Jones or a Will I Am fan, for some of you that know what I'm talking about there. But the voice. He says there's lots of voices. And there's all these voices but can you hear the voice of the shepherd? And here's my key thought. There's lots of voices that offer life. There's only one whisper that gives life. And that's the whisper from the good shepherd. And we spoke about this a few weeks ago, earlier on in the year, in the follow series. And it's like God's kind of keep saying the same thing to us because we need to get it. Rather than just say, oh, we've got that, move on. We need to really get this. This will change your life. If you can tune out all those other voices and hear the voice that offers life, it will change your life. Those of you that aren't followers of Jesus yet, you're not yet Christians. You're checking it all out. There's loads of voices that you're going to hear in your head as we speak this morning, okay? And you're going to say, really? Is that true? I'm not sure. But I want to convince you. There is a whisper that offers life if you can hear it. That's the voice of the good shepherd. That's the whisper of the good shepherd. Now, Jesus says, these other guys, these other shepherds with these voices, they come to steal, kill and destroy. Now, notice there's a progression there. So if I said to Simon, okay, if I was going to steal Simon's mini iPad there, I could go and steal it, all right? That'd be one thing. That'd be bad. He'd handle it really well in public now in front of you, but afterwards we'd have words, I'm sure. More than words, okay? <laughs> thought we'd do romantic songs in more than words. Uh, but if I was to steal it and then kill him, that's worse, isn't it? If I was then to steal it and kill him and wipe out his house and every trace of who he was and is, that's destroyed. That's a whole lot worse. Jesus said there are shepherds who want to steal things from you. And if you let them, that will end up with them killing you and it will destroy you. And some of you in this room, you know what I'm talking about. Because you've let things come into your life, which you thought offered you life, but actually just stole from you, killed you and almost destroyed you. Drugs do that. All other kinds of stuff does it. You know what I'm talking about. Jesus says, there are, people, there are things out there, and they're, like, they're not going to come in through the thing. They're going to climb over the wall, and they're there to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, let me give you four that I think are big ones in our culture right now, and then we'll get a little personal. Number one is consumerism. Consumerism is like a thief and a robber. It's like one of these shepherds that wants to draw you out, and it screams, follow me. It offers you life. If you buy me, wear me, drive, drive me, eat me, put me in your hair, then you will live life to the full. Guys, if you use this one shower gel, just this one shower gel, 
Then half-naked, beautiful women in slow motion are going to run over beaches just to be near you. Some of you are saying, what is that shower gel again? <laughs> it don't work. I've tried it. It doesn't work. And women, you, you know, you, you, what message for you, if you could just buy this one more dress to add to the few that you have in your wardrobe, everything would be great. And it screams at you to follow it, but it lies. Because it offers you life, but it actually can steal, kill, and destroy. And it's doing it to our culture. We are chronically discontent. We get envious of everybody else. We get into debt. All these things. Consumerism is not a great shepherd to follow. Secondly, the media. Oh, this is a huge one. This screams at us to follow. MTV made this statement, which is a shocking statement. MTV said this. We don't influence 14-year-olds. We own them. We don't influence 14-year-olds. We own them. If you think that the media is some kind of neutral thing, you are really mistaken. The media is massive. It shapes how we feel. It shapes how we think. It shapes how we act. It's a shepherd with a loud voice. It's there to steal, kill, and destroy if we let it. And I'm not saying don't watch TV. I'm not saying any of that stuff. But be wise. Be wise about the voice that you listen to. Be wise about the voice you listen to. You know, when it comes to sexuality and relationships, you know, one of my favorite programs, I love this program, is Friends. Anyone ever seen Friends? I don't know where you've been if you've never seen Friends. The most popular, famous comedy uh, program over two decades. They're still rerunning it. I've seen every episode lots of times. And you know, I realized recently that over those years at Friends, just six people, between them, they had 86 different sexual partners. And I thought, you know, I must have seen every single episode where all those intertwined. But what that can make you feel over a period of time is that that's how you do relationships. You just sleep with lots of different people because that's what these really lovable, likable characters did over two decades. They had 86 different sexual partners. Because the media can make you feel something and that can make you think something to be true and you believe it and then you act on it. It can steal, kill and destroy if you let it. On average in the UK, the average person watches four hours of TV a day. That's let alone all the other technology and media now because TV is a small bit of the media now. That's nine weeks a year that we just watch TV. The average eight to 18 year old will use technology almost every waking moment of their life. That's scary, isn't it? That's scary. What about pleasure? That's another shepherd that screams at us. Pleasure, escapism. You know, if it feels right, do it. You know, it can lead to addictions of all kinds. The rise in pornography over the last two decades is frightening. It's across all demographics now, men and women, young and old, single and married, followers of Jesus and those who don't follow Jesus. It's across the board. And it's the voice that says, it's all right, you deserve it. But it can steal, kill, and destroy if you'll let it. Some of what Laura said last week, the subtle darkness that can be in our lives. And then the fourth one, which is a little technical, is pluralism and relativism. It's a lot of big words there, but I want to describe them because they're really important. Pluralism is the view that there are loads of different ways to God and they're all equally valid. Relativism is the view that truth is only how you define it to be. It's all relative. It's subjective truth. There is no such thing as objective truth, people say. To which I want to say, and that is an objective statement, to say there is no such thing as objective truth. And the danger of this is what this does, is it can give you the idea, and it's a loud voice in our culture, whatever you want to believe is fine. If it's true for you, then that's fine. If that works for you, then that's great. And it's a lovely view. It's a really nice, cuddly view. I just want to suggest it's not the view of the Bible. It's not the view of the Bible. 
And, and, and what happens is that we get this whole kind of thing that says, there's not one gate, there are lots of gates. And you can pick and choose whichever one you want to do. And so there are new words being invented like truthiness, which is the idea that it kind of feels a little truth. So if it feels that it might be. Wikiality is a new word based on Wikipedia. The idea that if lots of us, if we all decided that this is true, that's the power of Wikipedia, then it must be true. And Jesus comes along and he says, I am the gate. Not one of many gates, but the one and only. And Jesus says, there is only one way to the Father, and that is through me. And I'm going to talk about that in a moment. There are lots of voices that offer life. There's only one whisper that gives life. Jesus says, I am the gate. You can enter in. You can go out. Do it through me. It's the only gate. In John chapter 8, Jesus declares, I'm the light of the world. In John chapter 9, he heals a blind man on the Sabbath, which was forbidden under the Jewish law, and they start criticizing him. And then in John 10, he does this whole, you know, kind of uh, sheepfold thing because he's talking to the Pharisees, religious people. He's saying, you're the gatekeepers. You're the guys that decide who gets in and who's out, who's accepted and who's rejected. And you see, the big shepherd, the big shepherd in Jesus' day was religion. And Jesus comes along and says, listen, it isn't about religion. It's about a relationship with me. And I am the gate. I am the gate. Not you, not your system, not your organization. I am the gate. It is all about Jesus. Jesus says in John 10 verse 9, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. So I wonder about you today. Is there a voice you're hearing or can you hear his whisper? Even though there's lots of competing voices, we'll pray that you'll only hear one. I wonder what voices you're hearing this morning. Perhaps you're not yet a Christian, you're not a follower of Jesus, and you're hearing all these voices. How do I know there's a God? How do I know there's not a God? What about the dinosaurs? All these great voices. But I wonder if you'll also hear the whisper of the Good Shepherd as well. What will you do with it? Perhaps you are a follower of Jesus, but actually it's been a long time since you've really felt connected to him. But you can just hear his whisper. What's he saying? I want to suggest three things that he might be whispering to you this morning. The first one is this, come to me. Come to me. Jesus says, I'm the gate for the sheep. If you're going to enter into safety, to security, to rest, to real relationship with me, you've got to come to me. And not just come up to the gate, but go through the gate. Come to me. You know, he claims to be the only gate to salvation to God. That's not my claim, that's his. That's not our claim, that's his. Not one of many, but the one and only. You know, others will, will say, follow me and you'll find truth. But Jesus says, I am the truth. Others will say, follow me, I'll show you how to find the way. Jesus says, I am the way. Some will say, follow me and I'll help you be enlightened. Jesus says, I am the light. Jesus says, come and some say, follow me and I'll help you find a door. Jesus says, no, I am the door. I'm the gate. You know, the popular view is God is some kind of this uh, ethereal being or concept or idea at the top of a mountain. And it doesn't matter which way you go up the mountain. Christianity is one of the ways. Go any way you want because you'll get to the top and, you'll, and it'll all be the same at the top. Really lovely view. Just not true. Because the difference is that our God didn't stay at the top of the mountain. He came down. Because every other way up the mountain is all about us trying to reach God. But in Jesus, God said, you'll never reach me. I'm going to reach you. And that's why he came down the mountain. You see, religion is spelled D-O, do. It's what I do. But faith in God, in Christ, is spelled done. It's already done. It's already done. All you need to do is enter in. All you need to do is enter in. There's only one way to God. But there's lots of ways to Jesus. There's lots of ways to Jesus. And if you become a Jesus follower, you don't have to all become the same. We'll all be different and unique. There's lots of variety. 
But there's only one way to the Father, and that's through the Son. And I wonder if God is saying some of that to you this morning. Come to me. Come to me. But, but many of you, you've already done that. So perhaps the whisper is, not just come to me, but stay with me. Stay with me. You see, Jesus says, I'm the gate, and if you enter in the gate, you'll be saved. There's that saved word, salvation. You know, it's interesting. Oh, I heard about a billboard on a church, and I hate this kind of stuff, I have to say. I really do. I love the church, but I hate what we do sometimes. And the billboard outside the church said this, eternity is hell without Jesus. Can I suggest everywhere is hell without Jesus? Hawaii is hell without Jesus. The Maldives is hell without Jesus. The Savoy Hotel is hell without Jesus. Church is hell without Jesus. He's the main event. It's all about Jesus. And salvation is more than a one-off decision. Some of us might say, oh, oh, I've entered in, tick. I've done the come to me thing, tick. But the word salvation literally means rescue. And in the Jewish mindset, what they felt salvation was, was to be rescued from their circumstances, especially political oppression. So Moses will be the one who will rescue us, who will rescue us from the oppression of the Egyptians. David will be the one who will rescue us from the oppression of the Philistines. When the Messiah comes, he'll rescue us from Rome. And then to the non-Jewish person, the Gentile, the rest of us, we think salvation is, salvation is being saved from our sins, so we'll go to heaven when we die. It's good. It's just not what salvation is really all about. Salvation is not about being rescued from our circumstances, and it's not really about being rescued from our sin, although that does happen. Salvation, folks, please listen to this. Salvation is about being rescued from a life of disconnection from God. And I don't know about you, I've already done that come to me thing. I've gone through the gate, but I still need saving. Not in the way I did originally when I was 15 and a half, but on a continual basis, God, I've got disconnected from your life. Please save me. God, I've got disconnected from your spirit. God, I've got disconnected from that, that life of living with you. God, please would you save me again. Stay, don't just come to me. Stay with me. Stay with me. Work. That's why the eye growth thing is so important. We're really excited about the next three Tuesdays. We're trying some different things. Some of it will be in-depth Bible teaching. We'll go right in there. Some of it will be creative and interactive. It will be great stuff. I want to really encourage you to come. Open the coffee shop from 6.30 so you can connect with people. We get going at 7.45. You're really welcome. Because it's really important that we don't just come to God, but we keep growing with Him, don't we? We stay with Him. Stay with me. You know, it was the woman at the well that, I think it was relationships that kept her disconnected from the life of God. That's why Jesus spoke to her relationships before He spoke to the other issues. You know, she just thought, oh, if I could just sleep with lots of men, then, then um, but that was keeping her from God, the life of God. The rich young ruler, he had all the wealth in the world, and it was the wealth that was keeping him disconnected from the life of God. What's keeping you disconnected from the life of God? Perhaps it's worry, or anxiety, or sin, or addiction. I don't know what it is, but something is keeping you disconnected from the life of God. You need to hear the whisper of the shepherd again. Come to me, stay with me. Let me deal with that. Because I want you to be connected to the life of God of God again. And then, then there's a final thing I think the shepherd will whisper, and that's follow me. You see, the shepherd doesn't want to just get the sheep into the fold to keep them safe. He does, and secure, he does. But then in the morning, guys, we're heading out, and we're going to find some pasture, and that's an adventure. And if you think that following Jesus is not an adventure, you're not really following Jesus, because it really is. And you know, in Israel at the time, 2,000 years ago, pasture was a really hard thing to find. 
It isn't a very green land. You have to go over mountains. You have to go over crags and cliffs and valleys. And you have to really work hard and fight off animals to find a bit of pasture. And that's what happens. And, and Jesus says, if you follow me as the shepherd, I'm going to take you on an adventure and you'll find some great pasture. And I wonder if some of you need to hear this today. What about this kind of pasture? What about the pasture of true love in a world of hatred? What about the pasture of inner peace in a world of turmoil? Some of you need that, don't you? You know, In a world of turmoil, can I find inner peace? Yes, you can if you follow the right shepherd. What about joy in a world where happiness only seems to last seconds? What about purpose in a world that feels empty to most people? Most people are so full and so empty at the same time in our Western culture. We're so full of stuff and we feel so empty, so lacking in purpose. Pasture is purpose in a world that feels empty. What about the pasture of wisdom in a world that is overloaded with with information but still can't solve the basic problems of life? We know so much and we have so little wisdom. But the pasture that this shepherd offers is wisdom in a world like that. Come to me. Stay with me. Follow me. There's lots of voices that offer life. There's only one whisper that gives life. And I wonder what his whisper is to you today. Let's pray. I wonder if, guys, if you could come back and start playing, that would be great. I wonder if some of you can hear that whisper today that just says, come to me. Perhaps you've never done that. You've never really entered in. You've never said yes to Jesus. Perhaps you've come to the gate many times, but you've never entered in. You know, on Thursday, Alison and I are going to go to the airport, hopefully, and we're going to go away for the weekend. And there'll come a point in time where if we want to catch that flight, it'll say, go to gate so-and-so. We'll have to go to that gate if we want to get to where we want to go. And when we go to the gate, it's no point just going up to the gate. We'll need to go through the gate if we want to get to where we want to go. And I wonder if some of you have heard him say, come to me, come to me. Don't just come to me, but come through me. Go through the gate. And for some of you, you've done that, but you've kind of allowed him to wander off somehow and all the other voices. And you need to say, God, I'm going to come to you again because I want to stay with you. I want you to reconnect me to the life that I once had. And then for some of you, you're nice and safe and secure in the sheepfold, but actually you can hear him saying, follow me. And you need to go to the gate and through the gate and follow him wherever he leads you to be. Why don't we pray? Let's close our eyes for a minute. Father, thank you for your presence this morning. God, right now, as we respond to you, Holy Spirit, I just invite you to do what you want to do. Move amongst us, I pray, in Jesus' name. So while we're kind of in this space, if, if, if today you've heard him whisper, whether it's come to me, stay with me, follow me, or anything else, and you just say, I need to reconnect with him, or I need to connect with him for the first time, I just need to respond to him. Why don't you stand? And I'd love to pray for you this morning. If any of you have heard him speak to you, just stand and let me pray for you. You know, you don't have to climb over walls like thieves and robbers. All you have to do is go through a gate. That's all you have to do. Just go through a gate and let him reconnect with you. Is anyone else? Something stopped you, disconnected you from the life of God. You need saving again. I know I need that often. 
Let's pray. It'd be awesome if those of you that sat down with people who are standing, if you just open your eyes for a minute, just put a hand on the shoulder of one of those guys standing. Don't say anything. I'll pray for them. But just, I want them to know, you know, the, the sheep metaphor is powerful because we're not on our own. We're not on our own. So Father, we just really pray for all these fantastic people who are responding to you now. God, we just really pray for your life to reconnect with them again. Holy Spirit, would you breathe into them? Would you touch them? Would you encourage them? Would you strengthen them? Would you give them life? Life in all its fullness. Life in all its fullness. Where the enemy has stolen or even killed or even destroyed. God, would you bring that life in Jesus' name. Life in Jesus' name we pray. Life in Jesus' name. Simon, do you want to just share that that you shared earlier on? You can sit down, guys. Just Yeah, um, with, with, with what Leon has shared there really this morning, um, it almost demands a response. You know, with what um, God has put on Leon's heart, it, it demands a response. And I want to continue to offer um, you guys to respond at a picture uh, as we were praying with the team before. Uh, and many of you know I'm, I'm not from around here, I'm from Wales. And there's a big farming community there. And there was lots, there's lots of gates. Uh, and as a young child, um, I used to gather with friends uh, around a gate. They were big um, and they had big metal bars to, 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 to open them. Um, and we used to gather around the gate. We used to sit on the gate. We used to climb on the gate. Sometimes we used to kick the gate, but we'd never go through the gate. And this morning, may it be that you've heard the whisper of God. For some of you, you've once gone through the gate, but it may be now when I'm speaking to the Christians that you're actually sitting on the gate. You've lost something. But this morning, you may have heard God's whisper again. And he's saying, come through the gate. Because in here, there is safety. There's protection. There's restoration. And I want to give you an opportunity to respond. God wants to do something in this moment. And then for the non-Christians, you may be on a journey. But I believe you've heard God's whisper. And you may have gathered around the gate but something stopped you going through it. You may have heard Jesus and you may have actually kicked the gate. (laughs) You've been denying that. But this morning you've heard something different. God says, I am the gate. Come through this safety. Guys, he stands here. Like that. He died for you. There's protection. There's safety in there. And some of you, need to hear that and this is your opportunity to respond we're going to stand and we're going to sing and as we do that this is your moment to respond to God if you've been sitting on the gate come back in there's rest there's safety there's protection there's restoration it may be for the first time you respond to come through God's gate Stop gathering around it. Stop kicking it. Ah, run through it. Come on. There's safety. And God says you will be saved. So let's stand. 
let's worship. If you want to respond, there's literature at the back. Please come and see me. I'd love to speak to you more about that if it's your first time. Come and see me. I'll pray with you. It'd be an absolute privilege. And if us were singing, if any of you want prayer this morning, again, that could be a way you can respond. You can come and stand here. Some people come and just stand and pray for you uh, in this moment of response. So let's, uh, let's sing. Just as we draw to a close this morning, I want to just leave something with you that perhaps would help you just as the feel God is speaking to me now. You know, we're going to be, me and Alison will be at an airport excited on Thursday morning and we'll be waiting for that word to say, go to the gate. I just wonder whether you need to hear that phrase, go to the gate, go to the gate. You know, when you're feeling lonely, when you're feeling hurting, go to the gate, go to the gate. It's the way in, it's the way in, it's the way into what God's got. Go to the gate. Perhaps when you're feeling confused and you're hearing all different kind of voices, what do I do? Go to the gate, go to the gate. Jesus says, I'm the gate. It's not a bad place to go, is it? Jesus, go to the gate, go to the gate. I think some of you are going to hear that this week at work when you don't know what to do at work. You're going to hear that phrase, go to the gate, go to the gate, go to the gate. Jesus says, I am the gate. Father, thank you for who you are, Lord God, and what you've done for us. God, what a great image, what a great picture for us to see of safety and security with you across that opening. But also, what a picture of excitement and adventure of us heading out, following you, our great shepherd, the good shepherd that we're going to hear about next week. God, I pray that we would be people that go to the gate, that we don't just kick it, we don't sit on it, we go through it and into all that you've got for us. I pray. God, if there's anybody here and we've never done that yet and we're interested, we're intrigued, God, help us to keep coming up to the gate. Help us to keep exploring. Help us to keep following. One of these days, we'll go right through. But God, until that point, help us just to keep going with you. So God, pray that whatever happens this week, we will go to the gate. And that's you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.